0: We are going to be discussing this morning a similar topic to last week, but different, and we will will look at some of those differences. Last week, we talked about how every member is a minister, every member a minister, and we looked in Ephesians 4, and we saw how God has called us to be one, He has called us to be united, and He has given us uh, His Spirit, ultimately, uh, and, and through His Spirit, He has given us gifts, He has given us leaders to equip the saints and to enable us to be the church that he has called us to be to be able to do the ministry to which he has called us and so that's what we looked at last week and so this week we are going to be looking at how we every member is a priest and this might be news to you and you might be thinking hmm I'm not sure about that but hopefully the scripture this morning will clarify this and we were talking about this recently in our discipleship team meeting and as we were talking about it, um, it, this is one of those things, every member, a minister, every member, a priest, these, these are two topics, two things that we want to make sure that everyone in our church understands, because it is crucial for us to understand these truths if we are going to be the church that we, in leadership, and, and really, I'm hoping that everyone in here would like for us to be. We desire to be a church that is not only uh, healthy, th- that's a good thing to want to be, right? How many of you personally would like to be healthy? Right? We all want to be healthy. Um, and as we are, have this desire to be healthy, which is a good thing, we should also have a desire to be just more than healthy just more than getting by, although there have been times in my life where I would settle for healthy. But we should desire to be active in our faith. We should desire to be the people that God has called us to be. And so as we look at this this morning, I want there to be this sense of urgency in us for us to be who God has called us to be. Individually, yes, and as a church, together, for us to be the church that God has called us to be. And so we're going to look at a couple of these passages. In fact, three of the four of the passages that we will look at, we have looked at since I've been the pastor here. We, have looked, we looked at Exodus 19 through 20, those two chapters, and we'll just look at a few verses there. But we looked at those two verses in, when I came in view of a call here uh, almost three years ago. And then um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10 when we talked about a, a kingdom of priests or, or a royal priesthood, we talked about those uh, that passage when we were going through 1 Peter. And I believe that that was in April when we were there at chapter 2. And then Revelation, we were just there, right? In, in Revelation 5, we were just there a few weeks ago. And so we're going to look at specifically verse 10, but verses 9 and 10 go together. And so I want us to look at that. And, that, and, and all of these passages are going to, to talk about us being God's people, us being this kingdom of priests. And so I want to share with you the Exodus, the the passage here in Exodus, because I, I think that even though we've looked at this before, that there are some things uh, where we have to hear it more than once. There are some things that we have to hear multiple times. And I know... Uh, for myself, growing up, my mom could tell me something four, five, six, seven times, and I still it still wouldn't you know catch on. Uh, I know none of you mothers in here know what that's like, right? You're having to tell your children something over and over again, but uh, but we need repetition. Uh, maybe not Karina. I mean, she's like the perfect child, but other than that, we need repetition. We need the not just repetition but some sometimes it's like building a, a tower and every time we hear it there's just more put on top right we've got this foundation most of you in here probably understand something about a kingdom of priests maybe not uh, but we need a foundation and on that foundation we can build these truths and and it's Interesting because in First Peter chapter 2, we, we won't look at this. We won't have time to look at these passages today, these verses. But in the verses preceding verses 9 and 10, it talks about how Jesus is the cornerstone, right? And um, he calls some to, to stumble, but of course, he's the cornerstone on which we build our faith. And so uh, building the foundation is something that we will, that will fit right in al- along with what we're talking about this morning. All right, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Exodus 19. And I'm just going to read a few verses here. I'm going to read uh, three verses, actually. I'm going to read Exodus 19. Let me read 4 through 6. I I decided to add verse 4 last night. Um, We'll read Exodus 19, verses 4 through 6, and then we'll skip over to Exodus 20 and talk about it. And I'm going to paraphrase some stuff that's going on there. And so in Exodus 19, verses 4 through 6, This is after Moses has led the people out of Egypt. God has delivered the people from Pharaoh, and they've made it to Mount Sinai. And so let's let's read what it said, beginning in verse 4. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Does anybody remember when Moses went to Pharaoh and... He said, let my, there you go, let my people go. Anybody know how that's finished? Somebody said it, yeah, that they may worship me. Let my people go. We remember that part, that they may worship me. It wasn't just about the people being delivered, although it was definitely about that. It was about the people being delivered so that they could be brought into the relationship for which they were created. It was about letting his people go so that they could live in the fullness of a relationship with God, and they were going to get to experience the promised land and all that, too. But it wasn't just about deliverance. It was about being delivered to somewhere, for something. And so we, as Christians, we can't separate this from what from ourselves and our story. How many of you are glad you are saved from hell? How many of you are glad about that? And we should be. But we're not just saved from something. We're saved for something. We're saved to something. To somewhere. Yes, heaven. But before we get there, we've got a job to do right here, on this side of eternity. And just as, yes, Hey, being out of Egypt was enough for the Israelites. Well, actually it wasn't. They complained about everything. But it seems like it would be enough just to get out of slavery. But but God had something more for them. He had something that he, wa- he was calling them to that he wanted from them. Now, they didn't, they didn't really participate as they should have along the path. Uh, but he called them to something. And as New Testament believers, as Christians we're called to something. God hasn't just saved us from hell, which if that's all he did, praise God, right? But he has saved us to something. And I I feel like a lot of times we forget that. A lot of times we forget that we're not just saved from hell, we're saved for something. So what are we saved for? Well, let's look at let's go back to Exodus. He brought them to himself, verse 5. And this is, this is what he's told Moses, what he's saying here. He's told Moses, I'm going to have you go down the mountain and tell the people this. So th- he's talking to Moses, and he says, Now therefore, if you, and this you is all of Israel. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. So they were saved from Egypt, saved from slavery, and they were saved for him to be His treasured possession. But there there was a responsibility there. Obedience. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. Now, there's something key here. He is saving them and He is calling them to be His special people among all the earth. Now, they... Now, if you read the Old Testament, and I've said this many times, they never forgot that they were God's people, right? That they were proud. In fact, when prophets would come to them and say, God is going to punish you because you're abusing the poor, you're neglecting these people and not doing what you're supposed to do here, they would be like, God's not going to do anything to us. We're God's people. They, they never forget, forgot that they were his treasured people among all nations, Um. But they forgot why he called them. He called them to be his treasured possession so that they could be his missionary people to the rest of the world. And there were times when he called them to be by themselves and set apart. And there were times when they were supposed to be his example and his people. Now, let's continue to read so that we can see what I'm saying here. Verse 6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of... Of priests and a holy nation. The entire nation of Israel were supposed to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. There's two things here. One, they were to be his representatives here on earth, for all the earth is mine, he said in the last verse. They were to be his representatives here on earth, to the rest of the nations, to all those who were not Jewish, to all those who were not Israelites. They were to be his witnesses. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests. And they were to be to him a holy nation. They were to strive for obedience. They were to represent his holiness. Of course, they were going to fall and and fail and things like that. They were going to sin. But they were to be an example to other nations of what it looks like to follow God wholeheartedly. And then he says, these are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses uh, has a little conversation with God. He goes down the mountain. He tells the people, draw close. Don't go up on the mountain. God hasn't invited you up into his presence yet. Don't go up on the mountain, but come up to the mountain. And uh, he, he goes and he calls the people to consecrate themselves, and they do. And then uh, Exodus 20 comes along, and as the people draw near, God gives the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, and you can see that in verses 1 through 17. And then we're going to skip to right after the Ten Commandments, right after the last, the Tenth Commandment, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 20, verse 18, and read through verse 21. But let's look at verse 18. Remember that he's called them to be his kingdom of priests. So who's supposed, in in Israel, who's supposed to be his priest, according to the last chapter? Yeah, er, er, all of them. Of course, we're going to see that when the law is brought in, that there are some special priests that he raises up. But, uh, in the sense of, to the nations, the whole nation, all of Israel. So verse 18. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking... Okay, that's some crazy stuff, right? If I saw this, I would be a little taken aback too. It, it, kind of like when we were in Revelation and John kept seeing stuff and he didn't know what to make of it. And he accidentally worshipped the angel that one time. You remember that part where the angel's like, Get up, I'm not the one you're supposed to be worshipping. And so th- there's some glory here. There's some majesty. There's some crazy stuff happening. The people were afraid. And trembled. And they stood far off. They weren't supposed to be standing far off. They're supposed to be coming up to the mountain. But when they saw God at work. And they saw his glory. they, They were afraid and trembled. They stood far off. Verse 19. And they said to Moses. You speak to us. And we will listen. But do not let God speak to us. Lest we die. Who's supposed to be hearing from God. All of them. A kingdom of priests. What are they telling Moses to do? You be our priest. You be our representative. You come in between us and God. Who's supposed to be coming in between Israel and God? No one. But they were afraid. They didn't know God like Moses knew God. And so, in their cowardice, they said, "Moses, you go speak to God." And I cannot tell you how many times I've seen this in my life. There was one time when I was younger where I, I almost quit the ministry. I was so close because I got so tired of people saying, "Well, that's your job to do that. You get paid to do that." That is not the reason I love Jesus. I would, I, I don't get paid enough. To to be a minister. No minister gets paid enough to be a minister. Well some of them might. But that's another story. I I am who I am. Because I love him. And. I wish I loved him more. So I could be better at following him. I wish I loved him more. So that I could be a, a more faithful servant. I wish I loved him more. So I could make more of a difference. But me and any other minister I've ever known, they're just people. And and they're they're not different. I mean, they, they might have a stronger relationship with God than others, but that's not just because God has called them to be a pastor. That's because they love him. And all of us are called to that level of commitment. All of us are called to that level of love. Now, what what we're actually called to do, what our giftings are, we're not all called to preach. We're not all called to lead in the sense of leading an entire congregation. I'm not saying we're all called to be pastors. But what I'm saying is, is that we're all called. He is all of our God. He has saved all of us from hell. He has saved all of us for something. Every single one of us, you have a role to play in God's kingdom. He has has set you apart for a task. Your church needs you. Your family needs you. Your community needs you. The world needs you. You are his plan of how he's going to reach the world, of how he's going to affect poverty, of how he's going to affect those who are hurting. You are his plan. The church is his plan. And if we're not being who he has called us to be, then we're going to fail. We're failing already. Look at the world around us. Look at the hurt. Look at the pain. Look at the sickness. Look at the sin. I know, Minka. It's... We have a responsibility. I'm, I'm, I'm going off on a rabbit trail over here. i got to get back. But let me just say this because the the rabbit trail, me chasing this rabbit, is connected to what I'm saying here. Because if, and I think we've all been guilty of this, if you're saying, you speak to us, Philip, not putting myself on the level of Moses, I'm just saying that people do with pastors today what the Israelites did with Moses back in the day. They said, you speak to us, Moses, and we will listen. But don't let God speak to us lest we die. Some people feel that way about having a quiet time. Some people feel that way about ministering to the world around them. Some people feel that way about sharing the gospel with their co-worker or their fellow student or whoever it may be. We are all called to be a kingdom of priests. We cannot look at the people, the leaders around us, and say, you go speak to God and see what he says and let me know about it. That is not the way that Christianity is designed. We have a great high priest, one, his name is Jesus. And we don't need anybody in between us and him. You don't need a priest, you don't need a pastor, you don't need anybody. If you have a relationship with God through Jesus then you have an open door. Now, I'll say this to those of you Christians who have professed him, but you live your lives according to the way you want without any regard to what he has called you to. We are called to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You can't separate the two. We cannot say, yeah, I want to have this relationship with God where I come to him but I'm just going to keep living in sin and doing whatever I want. That goes against everything the New Testament says. If God has saved you by his grace, then there should be a change in your life, and you should live your life according to how he has called you because he is your Lord. He is the one who gets to direct your path. He is the one that gets to tell you what to do and how to do it and where to go and when to go and all of that. He has control over your bank account. He gets to tell you how to spend your money. When you're reading scripture and you're convicted about, oh, maybe I should not buy this and I should spend it, give it to hand in hand or give it to the church or give it to this neighbor who I know who is in need or give it to this missionary or give it to this ministry opportunity, then you should give it. I have to keep going or I'll never finish. And we've got food. I'm finishing on time today. Verse 20, Moses, he tries talking to the people. Listen to what he says. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. He's saying God is just showing you how majestic he is, how glorious he is, how powerful he is, so that you can see that he's worth obeying, that, so that you can see he's worth following. He is showing you his glory so that you may not sin. Verse 21. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Now, some people will read this and say, yeah, but you're kind of using kingdom of priests in a weird way. It continues in the Bible. It continues talking about the kingdom of priests. And we're going to look at New Testament in just a second. We've got one more Old Testament passage. But... Some people might look at this passage and say, yeah, but Moses was supposed to draw near, and he had already been told, the people had been told not to come up. Okay, I I can't reconcile all of this, but here's what I know He had called them all to be a kingdom of priests in the holy nation. And when we see God give the invitation, who's the only one going up? Moses. And what are the people doing? Standing far off. There's just too much language here to show that Moses is going where he's supposed to go and the people are are staying where they're not supposed to stay. And more than that, they're standing far off. Not just not touching the mountain, they've backed up. And we cannot be like that. Check your heart right now. Ask yourself right now, have I been doing this? Have I been expecting someone else to lead in... Following Jesus. And, me, and I'm just standing up far off. And just watching what God's doing. It's not okay. And it's not too late to change that by the way. We can change that right now. There's no telling how, how much longer some of us have. Someone my age can have a few seconds left. Or someone my age can have 60 years left. We don't know how much longer we have. You might think. I've got just a few years left. We don't know. And how much can God do with a few years? How much did he do with the ministry of Jesus in just a few years? God can do great things. All right, spoiler alert. The people don't do a very good job of following Jesus. I mean, uh, Yahweh, not just here, but if you kept reading Exodus, didn't do a very good job. You, You go often to the other books as you keep going don't do a very good job in fact there's a cyclical thing of uh they well they have to wander in the desert for 40 years because they're complaining but then after that once they get into the promised land there's there's a cycle of disobedience god punishing them by sending in some foreign people or something to get their attention Uh, the people repent they cry out to god for rescue and help god rescues them and helps them, they're in a good place, until they're not, they start sinning again, and God brings in, it's just a cycle. And one of the, the people that he raises up to talk about this cycle, and to talk about this pattern of them cheating on him with other gods and with other ways of life, is Hosea. And if you'll turn to Hosea chapter one, in Hosea, God has told Hosea, that he is supposed to marry a prostitute. And the reason that Hosea is supposed to do this is because it represents how Israel has treated him. Hosea is God in this scenario, and his wife is Israel. And Israel continues to cheat on God just as Hosea's wife continues to cheat on him. And when Hosea's wife begins to have children, and it seems that these children might not even be Hosea's because she goes back to that lifestyle, God tells them, give them these names. So I don't, you might not like your name, but I guarantee you it's nothing compared to these names, okay? So let's, let's look in Hosea chapter 1, verse 6. She conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, call her name, no mercy. For I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. This is his kingdom of priests. This is his holy nation. And this is what it's come to. No mercy. Verse 7. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah. For those of you who don't know, at this point, the kingdom of Israel Israel has split into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom being called Israel, the southern kingdom being called Judah. And God is saying, I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. He's going to save them by himself. He is going to save Judah. He's not going to save Israel according to what he's telling Hosea. Verse 8. When she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, call his name, not my people. He's saying this to his treasured possession among the nations. He's saying this to his people. What is he saying? Not my people. They have broken the covenant. They have disobeyed him at every turn. He has called them to be a kingdom of priests, and they've just been a kingdom of gluttons. Call his name not my people, for you are not my people, and I am am not your God. Just letting that soak in for a second. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, Children of the living God. He's bringing redemption. He's bringing salvation. They're not his people, but they will be. Anyone will have an opportunity to call on his name. Now let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. This kingdom of priests. We're going to see what, how Peter says it in the New Testament in, in his letter. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. And he's already talked about it a little bit in, the, in earlier in this chapter. But for time's sake, we have to, to go to verse 9. And it says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Does this sound familiar? It's, he's repeating the Mosaic covenant, the covenant that God made with Moses and the people. The one where Moses drew near and the people stood far off. He's repeating it. And he's saying, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Look at verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Praise God. We were not his people, but now we are. We had not received mercy, but now we have. We were not just saved from something. We weren't just saved from hell. We were saved for something. We were saved to be his people. We were saved to receive his mercy. We were saved to be his royal priesthood and his holy nation. And it's not just Moses' job. And it's not just my job. This is for all of us. Every member is a minister and every member is a priest. We are called. To be His. We are called into accountability, not just with, for me, not just with Rose or or Michael, my accountability partner, not just with Austin. I am called into accountability with the living God. Do you think that what we are doing, if we're getting away with it, we're not? Do you think that the time that we're wasting is just gonna be, well, that's okay? It's not okay. There are people who are dying and going to hell because we're not living as the kingdom of priests that God has called us to be. We have family members who need to see us living our lives radically for Jesus. There is a lost and dying world who needs to see us being the kingdom of priests that he has called us to be. He does not need, They don't need to see us being an Old Testament Israel again, where we're neglecting the nations, where we're not taking care of the widows and the orphans, where we're only after what's ours, and we're only concerned about what's going to help us. We, the world doesn't need any of that. They've had enough of it. The world needs Jesus, and the only way that they're going to get Jesus is if we... Christians, disciples, if we go and make disciples, if we minister, if we're the priests that he has called us to be, he has called us to be a kingdom, a priest. My iPad is covered in spit. Let me see if I can read any of this. How about that verse 10? In, in relation to what he said to Hosea. Praise God that we are his people. Praise God that we have received mercy. Praise God that he allows me to be a part of his royal priesthood. What do I deserve? I deserve hell. I don't deserve anything from Jesus. And yet, in his grace and in his mercy, he has called me to be a part of his royal priesthood. Praise God for that. Now we're going to close by looking at Revelation chapter 5 verses 9 and 10. And remember, this is the passage where John has been brought into the throne room and he has seen God seated, seated on his throne. He's seen all the, the craziness around him. He's seen the people and the creatures saying what they have to say. And then in chapter 5, he, he was looking according to the person who had the scroll and was looking for someone worthy to open the scroll. And, and they couldn't find anybody. And John begins to weep and behold, weep no more the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he looks and there's Jesus, as a lamb who had been slain. And the people begin to sing this song to him. If you were here, you remember this. Just a few weeks ago in Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. He did this by his blood. You have been called into salvation and into this kingdom of priests by his blood. Look at verse 10. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. This is in the end, looking back, he has already done this. He has made them a kingdom and priests to our God. He has fulfilled the covenant. He has done this for us. So what are we going to do for him? Well, I know what we're going to do for him. I don't know if each of us individually are going to do this. But I know what I'm going to strive to do. And I pray and hope that it's what you're going to strive to do. And it's given away in verse 9. If you'll go back to verse 9 for me, Carol. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy you to take the scroll and open the seals for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people. For God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. So what are we going to do? We're going to go tell the world about Jesus. We're going to start right here. You are a kingdom of priests. You are a minister. God has called you to this. So what are you doing about it? How are you ministering for him? How are you obeying him? How are you living wholeheartedly? I'm going to tell you that when I was young... I had a lot of amazing people who loved me. A lot of amazing Christians who loved me. And I would not be a Christian if it wasn't for them. But I can't help but to feel like God has called us to a new day and a new age. Where it is time to take his name to the nations. And this has been happening for a long time. But in my lifetime, this is really ramped up. And I think it's because the end is getting closer. Personally, I believe that. And who knows? The disciples believe that too, right? But here's what I know. Is that I want to take his name to the kingdom. To the kingdoms. I want to take his name to the nations. I want to make him known throughout the earth. Because he is a good God who deserves to be worshipped. And there is a world out there full of people who are hurting. I read this book this week called Something Needs to Change by David Platt. And it's one of the best books I've ever read in my life. And some, books are weird, right? Books can find you at the right time and you can suggest it to somebody else. And they're like, that was not good at all. So I don't know. But I'm, I believe, it is. It, for me, it was an incredible book. And it is a book written about, if you don't know who David Platt is, uh, he was a pastor when Rose and I lived in Alabama, he was a pastor in Alabama, but he's about my age, a little bit older, maybe two or three years older, something like that. And he, um, this book was written when, right before he became the leader of the International Mission Board. And it's about a mission trip that he went on in the Himalayas, and the incredible brokenness that he saw there, and how he left that trip saying, God, I'm willing to move here if this is what you want me to do. I will do whatever you want me to do. I will serve you in whatever way, in whatever capacity. And when he was approached about leading the International Mission Board, the IMB, the largest sending agency in the entire world, Southern Baptist, woohoo! Um, hoo he, he thought, no, God's calling me to go. And then he thought about it, and he was like, wait. If I'm leading this agency, and if I get to be a part of sending people, if I get to be a part of the insanity of all around the world, if I get to be a part in that and have my hands in that, maybe this is what God is calling me to do. And, of course, I said he was the leader of the IMB, so you know that he took that job later. But here's my point, is what if all of us were saying to God, I'm a part of your kingdom of priests. I want to know what you are calling me to do. I want to know what I'm supposed to do right now. Lord, show me, help me. I want to live wholeheartedly for you. For some of you, you have such struggles and such temptations that are just weighing you down and and blinding you from who you could be. You don't even know how God could use you. Because all you see is addiction. All you see is gossip. All you see is lust. All you see is whatever it is. Put your God in there. But our God has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. So what are we going to do for him? How are we going to live for him? I don't want to live timidly. I don't want to live in a way where I get to the end of my life and I think, "Ah, I did a pretty good job, but man, I left some stuff on the table. I want to live where I know I sacrificed it all. I want to live my life where I know that Rose and I and and our kids, uh, while they're in our household, that we have gone and done whatever he has called us to do. If that's coming to Mansfield and staying here the rest of our lives, then praise God. That means that from here, we are going to reach the nations. If that means the little bit of vacation money that we have, we're going to go to New York again during Thanksgiving, which is what we're planning to do, then praise God. We get to go be with friends and do ministry in the city. And if that means that we're going to be right here and, and share Christ with our neighbors and love the children in this school and be there for the, the people who are struggling with addiction when they realize that they need help and they go looking for it, whatever we can do, we want to do for His glory. And because there are, we love people and there are a lot of hurting people in this world. So how can you use your gifts for his glory? How can you minister for his glory? Who needs you to come in between them and God? Who needs you to represent them? Who, God is going to allow you to represent him to a lost people. So let's do that. During this invitation, come to the altar and pray. Get on your knees where you are and pray. Or if you're not unable to do those things, sit at where you are and pray. Stand and sing these songs to Jesus. You respond to him in whatever way he's leading you. But I know for me, I don't want to stand far off while Moses draws near to the thick darkness. I want to run to the thick darkness with abandon, sure, with respect and reverence, but just wanting to know whatever it is that God wants. I want to be where he is. I want to do what he has called me to do. Will you do that with me? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And I just pray that you, Lord, if there is anyone in here who does not have a relationship with you, I pray that you would save them. Lord, if we've misrepresented what it is to be saved, forgive us. Because, Lord, we know that it is so much more than just not going to hell. We get to have a relationship with the living God. A God who is outrageous and crazy in a good, loving, wrathful, all of the above type ways. And Lord, I I pray that if there is someone in here right now who doesn't know you, that you would call them into relationship, that they would have mercy, that they would be your people. Lord, I pray that you would draw them to yourself. And for those of us who already have you, who already know you, I pray, Lord, that you would wake us up, that you would stir us up, that we would no longer get to just go through the motions, that we would no longer just do some good things here and there but that we would be completely sold out for you Lord help us to be the kingdom of priests that you have called us to be Lord help us, help this church our people help us to make an impact in our community Lord I pray that you would use us to be a light in the darkness, I pray that you would use us to to love those who are struggling with addiction Lord to love those whose parents are neglecting them To love those parents who need someone, who are neglecting their children because they were neglected or they they don't know how to love. Lord, help us to be the church, to be your light, to shine for you. So that people in Mansfield can know you, people in Arkansas can know you, people to the ends of the earth can know you. Because you deserve their worship, you deserve their glory, and Lord, they need your salvation. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You stand and respond to God in whatever way he's leading you.